by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, I went to dinner with Daniel Piercy the other day, and or, or lunch, and he reminded me of a joke or old Jerry Clower told. Y'all remember Jerry Clower? The youth probably don't remember Jerry Clower, but he's an old-time comedian. And, yeah, he's the one that says, oh, son. You know, <laughs> Jerry Clower said that uh, he was doing a show. He's a comedian. He's also a good Christian man. He said he was doing a show in, in Houston with a Jim Ed Brown band called The Gems. And he said after the show, they had agreed that they'd meet up in one of them's hotel room and they'd have a, a late-night supper together. And so he said he was walking through the hotel, going down the corridor there, and he, as he was walking past the lounge of the hotel, some big old fella, looked like a big old gorilla, jumped out on him and said, Are you Jerry Clower? And he said, yeah, how'd you know? He said, I know who you are. He said, I got me a piece of paper and a pen, and I'm writing a list of all the folks that I can whoop. And Jerry Clower, I want you to know I'm putting your name on the list. Well, Jerry Clower says, well, it's spelled J-E-R-R-Y. He said, I didn't want none of that fella. <laughs> he said, you go and write my name on the list because I don't want none of that. And he walked on and, to find that hotel room where they was having supper. He said, then Jim Ed Brown, the leader of the band, come by, and the, and the guy jumped out, Wah! came out on him. And, and Jim Ed Brown said, what, what is it? He said, fella, I know who you are. Your name's Jim Ed Brown, and I got a list of folks I can whoop. And I'm putting your name on my list. Jim Ed Brown said, you go right ahead. Put my name on the list. And he walked on. Before it was over, the whole band had come through there, and he had jumped out on every one of them. But finally, the last guy to walk through there, what I wrote his name down? Jerry Braswell. Now, Jerry Braswell was the bass guitar picker. And Jerry Braswell come walking through there, and he jumped out on him. He said, what's your name? And, the guy, and he said, uh, Jerry Braswell. He said, I got a list. Of folks that I can whoop, I'm the baddest man in Texas. And I'm going to put your name on my list, Jerry Braswell. And he began to write down, and Jerry Braswell said, okay. And so he took a few steps, and all of a sudden, that southern heritage jumped up on him. The carnality in him said, wait a minute. And he had to think about this for a minute. He said, I can't let this happen. And he turned back around. He grabbed that big old guy by the shirt collar. He says, I'm not so sure you can whoop me. That fella said, oh, yeah? He said, yeah. He said, all right, I'll take your name off the list. <laughs> oh, how many of you, when you were young, you had a list? And you had just about everybody's name on it. You thought you could whoop the world, didn't you? I know growing up, I had a list, and I thought I was invincible. I don't know about you, but as I got older, I realized I better get a, a bigger eraser. 
Many of you have heard the testimony by how me and Angie came to this church. It was, I, I, I had my list and everything, and I thought I could whoop the world. But I found out I couldn't, and things got big on me. If I begin to talk in my Jerry Clower voice the whole time, excuse me, because I get going in a dialect or something. But anyway, I thought I could whoop the world, and I found out I couldn't. And me and Angie was about to separate. We had been married about three years, and it wasn't going well. And there wasn't nothing I could do to seem like to stop it. And I remember there was a time when I didn't know if we were going to stay together or not. And I remember one phrase kept coming to my mind during that time. And I remember talking to myself, saying, I can't believe I put all my eggs in one basket. Because see, Angie was my world. And, I, and we had a little girl who was two years old at the time. And I remember thinking to myself, just saying that over and over, I can't believe I put all my eggs in one basket. And I was starting to question, was that the right thing to do? I said, maybe I should diversify. You ever heard that? You, know, you need to diversify. And I was thinking, Maybe I don't need all my eggs in one basket. I need to diversify. But I'm here to tell you today, you don't need to diversify. You need to find the right basket to put all your eggs into. And as we move forward in 2018 with this series entitled Move Forward, today's message is entitled The Right Basket. Somebody say The Right Basket. right basket. Turn to Matthew 13, 44. I hope I ain't on your list. <clears throat> Matthew 13, 44. We're going to talk about right along the same lines that Chandler started this morning. He's right in tune with the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven, now what is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is, we could say it is heaven. Heaven is a physical place. But the kingdom of heaven is, is the realm of heaven. It is where the king, Jesus, has influence. If it's in your heart, if he has your heart, then that's the kingdom of heaven. It's part of where he is ruler, Right? So the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again. And he sold everything he owned to, buy enough, to get enough money to buy the field. It was worth, when he discovered the kingdom of heaven, he realized that it was worth everything he owned. Now, last week we talked about moving forward together and everything and, and how it was going to require involvement. You remember? That, it, that we have to get involved in the kingdom of heaven. Well, this week we're going to add a word. It's going to require investment. It's awful quiet in this church this morning. It's going to require not just involvement, but your investment as well. Now, we get one life. I don't know if anybody in here gets two. 
at least on this side, we get one life. And you don't know how long that's going to be. I don't know of anybody in here that could say, I know exactly the day that I'm going to die. Or know exactly the moment that Jesus is coming back. But we do know this one thing. That every second that ticks by is one that you can't get back. And so you need to be involved. You need to be involved in the things of God while you have time on this earth. But I do also know that I've not only wasted a lot, gobs of time in my life. You know, when I was a teenager, I just slept all day long. You know, you just waste all your youth, it seems like. Don't do that, youth. You got youth and vitality and your good looks now. Take all your pictures and stuff now so when, when you get old, you'll have them, you can show them that you did used to look that good, you know. <laughs> Take your pictures now. And, and so we waste a lot of time as youth. And as we grow up, time begins to be more valuable because we begin to get closer to the end, right? We begin to realize the importance of our time. But we also waste a lot of our resources. How many of you, you know, got paid on Friday and by Sunday morning, you done spent that check? Amen? Don't owe me. We were chasing fleeting pleasures. We were heaping into ourselves plastic doodads from Walmart, you know, <laughs> trinkets and toys, and spending all our money on something that we thought was going to fulfill us. And as you get older, teenagers, I hope you're listening, you will begin to realize what's really the more important things in life are your relationships. It's your purpose in God, things that are important. You don't want to waste your time anymore, and you also don't want to waste the resources that you have. And you begin to realize that you can't whoop everybody on your list. And then if you're just going to trust in yourself, you're going to come up short on the resource end. Jesus said in Luke 12, 21, A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Nobody wants to be a fool. And God's not saying you can't have earthly wealth. He's just saying don't do it in exclusion to a rich relationship with God. Don't value, like he put the scripture up here, don't value mammon more than you do God, money more than you do God. Money is just a tool. Get your eyes on Jesus. Not on your finances, your portfolio. Have a trusting, a rich relationship with God. A rich relationship with God is a trusting relationship. You begin to realize that everything that I have is a blessing from God. And if he gave it to me in the first place, why am I clenching my fist so tight and hold on to it and trying to keep it from him? Why can't I trust him with it? He gave it to me. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. This is all his. Every particle of dust in this room is his. He told a parable of the sower in Mark 4 and, and other gospels. We get a picture of it. Jesus told the parable about how the sower sows the seed, and the seed is the word of God, and it goes into different types of soil. And the, the, some fell on the path, some in the rocky soil, some in the shallow soil. But some fell in 
good soil where it produced a harvest. And so when he got through telling the parable, you know, and all the people, the crowds left, his disciples were still there, and they gathered up around him and said, Jesus, what do you mean by that parable of the sower? And Jesus said, guys, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand anything else about the kingdom of God? I mean, this is the basic. You have to understand that the seed needs to be good seed. It's the word of God. And it needs to be planted in good ground. In the beginning it was said, as while the earth remains, there's going to be seed, time, and harvest. And we talked about that on Wednesday nights here recently. It'll always be planting seed, giving it some time, being patient, and then producing a harvest. And it's the same way in the kingdom of God. Planting good seed in good ground. What makes your seed good if you're giving and putting in good ground? It's a cheerful heart, right? It's a, a grateful heart. It's, it, God looks at the heart when, when we give. You must sow in good ground. Say good ground. You know what Jesus is saying? He recommends you bank in heaven. <laughs> Matthew 6.20 says, Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where they're secure. Wherever your tr treasure is, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. God knows that your heart and your finances are linked because you work hard for your money. You work hard for the resources and the things that, that you have, you know. And he knows that your, the best indication of how you feel about him is what you're doing with what's linked to your heart. Y'all don't believe me? There was a, a grandmother who had never flown before. And her family was sent her an airline ticket and coerced her to fly to them so that they could see her for the holidays. So the granny, she did. She overcame her fear. She got on the plane, and she flew. And when she landed, she came out off the tarmac, and the family was waiting there, and they was teasing her. And they said, Granny, did the plane hold you up okay? And reluctantly, she said, Yeah. But I never put my full weight down on it. <laughs> and sadly, that's where a lot of Christians are today. They've got their ticket to fly. They've made him Lord of their life. But they've never put their full weight down on him. And they've never trusted that he will hold them up. Cause them to soar and to get to their destination. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your affections heart on things above not on the things of the earth for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God so you died to your old selfish ways that it was all about you and now you're alive and to a God that you can trust you understand I think about the widow woman who brought the two mites and put it in the plate and Jesus was watching at the treasury and watching what everybody put in. Maybe he's still watching today, I don't know. But he was watching, and all the rich guys came in and put wads of cash in there.
But this little widow woman come up here and she put two mites in. And he just stopped the program. Hold on. Stop church for a moment. Disciples, come here. This little woman has given more than all the rest. They said, Jesus, I've been watching. And them other guys put a lot of cash in there. She just put like a couple of pennies. You must have, she must have deceived you. No. He said, they gave a little bit out of their abundance. But she gave everything that she had to live on. In other words, she put her full trust. She put all her weight down on me when she did that. And there's a lot of things you can learn from the widow woman. One of the things I was thinking about, maybe she had heard Jesus. Did he teach at the temple that day? I don't know. But she, but she wasn't given to Jesus' ministry at that time. She was given in the Old Testament. She was given to the temple. She wasn't given towards Jesus because she had this glorious experience of salvation. She was given because the Word of God said give. And she gave her all to God in general. But how much more should we, now that we have seen the things that the ancient prophets longed to see, the things that the angels even longed to see, they didn't know God's mysterious plan, which was Jesus hanging on the cross for us to, pro to provide us eternal salvation, to take care of our debt. Talking about some debt that you don't want. Now that we know that Jesus was willing to put all his eggs in our basket to give his very best, to give his all, how much more should we say, Jesus, I'm going to do exactly what you say with my resources. I'm going to trust you back. I'm going to give you whatever you ask of me. Some of you are saying, well, Oh, I don't want to be like that rich young ruler. I don't want to have to give everything. How would I live? Don't you trust God? You say you do. But he's probably not going to ask everything. The, the basics he asks you is 10%. He says, uh, let's just start with the tithe. 10%. And that's only to see where the connection is with your heart. Everybody has 10%. He's not saying you got to be like those rich people throwing in cash money. He's saying if you made a dollar this week, give 10 cents. If you made $10 million, give 1 million. Everybody has their 10%, amen? So he's saying that's a starting place. And then over that, you can give offerings out of, out of your own desire to give. But it's, a, it, it's, a, it's the indication of where your heart is. He said he don't... He, don't, he wants it to be your first fruits. You don't, you don't wait till the end of the month to see if you have 10% left to give him. He don't want leftovers. Because that'll never happen. The devil will make sure you don't have anything at the end of the month. Because you and the, your money wasn't blessed the rest of the month. When you give your first 10, he blesses your 90. Every time. There's a lot of people in here know what I'm saying. So I would rather have 90% with the blessing of God than 150% with no blessing of God. Just makes sense to me. If I had 90 cents up here, I'd rather have that than a whole dollar. But I know God is pleased with me. He's blessing me. And when I start there, I begin to see them windows of heaven open up. And I'm willing to 
throw a little offering in on, on top of it out of a cheerful and a willing heart. And then I, there's no, no, nothing between me and God. Will a man rob God? I didn't even mean to get into this. And some of you, maybe your first time here, and you're thinking, man, I knew them preachers always asking for money. I'm, I don't even mean to get into this, but I, I just want you to know that's not it. It's not it. I'm talking about what he's talking about. He started talking about. We're talking about your heart. And you, you giving of your involvement, your time, and your resources because you belong to God and you trust him. And that is where the true life begins. 1 Timothy 6.17. And I didn't, I thought about telling you all this and then I said no. And then I'm thinking about it again. Should I tell you all this? Just because I've heard people say that, you know, we got to give more to the church so Pastor Guy can have this or have I, I don't know where you got your theology or whatever, but I, I just receive a salary here. And it's been the same since I started here. And so I, I'm, I'm not, when you give more, I don't get more. I still get the same salary. I'm not, you understand what I'm saying? I'm invested in this place just like you are. I tithe, I give, and I believe in what we're doing here. If, if I'm invested in you. And when you invest in this church, you're investing in, in each other. And so we're investing in the kingdom of God. Like he said, it's not going so the preacher can get rich. I could care less about getting rich. In fact, when I took this job, I took a $20,000 a year pay cut to become your pastor. And I could care less. I, God has met every need. And I'm blessed. I'm more blessed then than I was before. So I ain't, I, back my old White Haven language, I ain't studying it. I ain't studying it. I ain't thinking about money. Money ain't that important to me. It's a tool. And God has blessed me richly. And I want you to, to understand the peace and letting go. Because some of us are holding on to things that don't matter. That moth and rust will corrupt away and thieves will break in and steal. But I'm telling you a better way. Save up treasure. In heaven, 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all what we need for enjoyment. He's not trying to take from you so that you can be woe is me and sad. And some, some example, you've seen people that stay in poverty on purpose so that they can prove that they're godly. That's not it. He wants you to enjoy life. In fact, the more you give, the more he does return unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But that's not why you do it, but you understand the principle. He wants you to, be, to enjoy life. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Jesus said, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. It's what he's trying to get you to see. Everything about the Word of God is telling you, trust him, trust him, believe in him. 
Have faith in Him. When we invest in the kingdom of God, we're, we're putting our eggs in the right basket. And we're investing in each other as well. I like what Mary said yesterday at the leadership conference. She had prophesied over somebody by the Spirit of God, and then she told us what she had said, and she expounded on it yesterday. She said, when you stretch yourself, it raises the congregation. When you stretch yourself, it raises the congregation. However God is asking you to go beyond where you've been with your faith, when you stretch yourself, it raises us all. Uh, you remember last week we began to have testimonies about the things that are going on because we are, we're investing in one another. We're believing and we're moving forward. How? Together. And so we began to have a few testimonies. And I was going to kind of get some more in today. Uh, Tim Tubbs of Guest Services, I was going to call you up first and tell us how you're going to move your department forward and a big part of this church forward in 2018. And Tim, I want you to know, I got you on my list. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if there was somebody I would have on my list, it, come on up. It wouldn't be you, Big Tim. Come on. Give Big Tim a big hand. <laughs> All right, we'll just get right to it. Uh, first, I just want to say I'm part of a team. And I'm honored. Hold on. That's his list. Uh-oh. No, I got a list. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm honored to serve with these people on the team because they have your and this church and this community's spiritual health. They're highly concerned about it, and they care about our church and our community. And one way they prove it is they serve you and the community. Uh, but before... I get started through a few things we do and offer you a chance to be a part of it. I want to show you uh, some special people up here. Is it running? You see these children? They're our future leaders. They're our future servers. They might even be some of the future seed we plant a new church out of. They take our youth's place when they become leaders and go start churches. Those children are so happy to be helping. They're so proud of their little badges. They're so, I mean, Chloe this morning, she just, she just really blessed my heart. She's like, welcome to, you know, Passion Church. So glad to see you. Tell them about like the program. I don't know if they understand. The children's program? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we just come up with the idea that, uh, we, that our children could serve with their parents in, you know, in the church. And what better place is, you know, the front door, the back door, or even we have them, you know, you see sometimes they pass the buckets out to you. And uh, it was like Pastor was saying a week or so ago, if we have a need in the church and, and we can't necessarily afford to pay it to be brought in here, we'll grow our own. So we're growing our own, you know. And uh, any of you that your children are not serving, if you're serving and you want them to serve, well, you just come see me, and we're going to get them a name badge, and they can be just as happy and just as, as Chloe is. I mean, she's just blossoming. That, that little girl something else. But uh, anyway, I just wanted uh, to say something about them first. Uh, if I'm not political, 
politically correct or if I stumble on myself, I'm not a professional speaker. Uh, I'm just a willing speaker. You know, so I may not be the best, but I'm the one that decided I, I, I'll do that. So bear with me. All right. Uh, our mission is to serve the needs, our, our group, is to serve the needs of this body as we come together to worship and hear from God. To set the tone of acceptance and love for our guests from the very first experience in our church. And I hope you've all felt that. We take that very seriously. We like committing, uh, we're committed to creating an atmosphere that you feel free and safe in to worship, to come meet and hear from God. And our servers are committed to being in tune with the Holy Spirit. We don't want to dampen anything that the Lord's trying to do in here when something's going on. These people who serve in our group are, are highly committed people. You know, sometimes you got to shake out the chaff a little bit to get down to those that really want to be committed and really do care about the community and, the, and your brothers and sisters, you know. We serve because we care about each and every one of you. We want to see all of us, all of you, go out into the community. We want to change our community with the love of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't have to clean the fish. Our group doesn't have to clean the fish. We just won't catch them. We want you to get wet. So you can go out and bring somebody else in to get wet. But it's our job and it's our commitment to bond all the people in here together in genuine relationships in the love of Jesus Christ. I truly hope to see each and every one of you consider each and every one of the rest of you a brother and sister in the Lord. I mean, that's truly what we, that, that's, our, that's our goal. But we do lots of things in, in our department. We have the connect desk. We keep it manned. If you want to serve, there's a card back there. You fill that out, put me in, Coach. We'll get you serving. We'll find a place where your gifts and talents can be used, where you feel comfortable, where the Lord's led you to be. We do a lot of tasks. Tom, he's good at monitoring the temperature, but a lot of the other guys are caught on when it's hot in here. Let's get it turned down. And if y'all get hot, look around and find your usher or somebody, or you get cold, you look around and give them the shiver sign, or you give them the, man, I'm about to burn up in here. <laughs> and we'll, get them, we'll get it turned down or turned up for you. It's our intention that you're comfortable and safe and free to worship and hear from God. That's what guest services is all about. We want to change this community, but we got to change in here first, you know, so we can reach out and bring others in. But something else we do is we provide security. We kind of have a little multitask group. We've got a bunch of guys that are committed to this. I could point them out, but sure enough, I'd forget one of them's name or something, get cold feet up here. And I don't want anybody to feel slighted or anything, but i got a great bunch of people that I'm honored to work with. Your safety is definitely on our list. You don't have to worry about your car getting broke into while you're in here worshiping and praising the Lord. We got it on camera. You go out there to check your car. I see you go check your car. <laughs> I'm watching you. 
<laughs> but what do we got cameras inside and outside the church? That's for your safety. You feel safe. Your children feel safe. That's, that's just one of the other things that we do in our department. We're going to get a handful of guys together who want to maybe go take a little hands-on in case we do have something we have to tend to around here. Praise God we hadn't, and I don't think we will, but it doesn't hurt to be prepared. So I just wanted you all to know that because in the last, it's become way too often the churches have had terrible things happen in them because they think it's a free place to go do harm and make some kind of political statement or something. So we're on it. Summing all up, our goal for 2018 is this, to provide you with an atmosphere of love and acceptance, a place for you to worship and hear from God, to grow this church so we can reach out to change the lives of other people by sharing the love of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to be a part of this in some way, fill out one of those, put me in coach cards in the back, and we'll find you a place to serve. I thank you all. Thank you, Tim. All right, next I wanted to invite up the acting uh, worship leader for the, for this week and next week and has been doing it for over a month now, about a month now. Uh, talk a little bit about the worship department, Miss Kaylee Allen. I'm going to be honest with y'all. When he called me and asked me to do this, I freaked out, but um, I do have notes, but at first I want to kind of talk about just like what we've done in the past year, like instead of the goals, if y'all didn't know, I'm the youngest up there, I don't know if you can tell or not, but I'm the youngest up there, <laughs> and um, so it's been a real honor for me the past, what, three years I've been up here, for um, to follow behind these guys because I in my head, I, like, say I'm bad, and, like, I doubt myself a lot, and then they, like, they're there, and they've been there for so long in this doing what I'm wanting to do in the future that they're the greatest role models. I mean, I'm just kind of bragging on y'all for a second, but, like, because I'm new to all this, like, the guitar and the singing and the, all this, like, leading and stuff, and, like, seeing that I have these guys who've been doing it for years right in front of me, like, for, I can just go up to, I can call guy when I need to, I can call Troy or Tony, whenever I need them, and just ask them, and they'll answer, and that's such, like, a cool honor to have, to have such great role models, so, but, um, yeah, I've been acting as the worship leader this month, and um, it's been a really good opportunity, and so, like, what I see our worship team doing this year, like, I see this as our year, like, from, like, August to now, I feel like we've really been stepping into it, and I feel like before we were kind of just like, all right, let's sing and go and do whatever. But now I like, I see us all getting into it more, like doing it seriously and knowing that that's what we're supposed to do. Because I feel like you questioned it. I mean, I know I did at some points, like, are we even doing this for the right reasons? Or is this blah, 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 blah. But from August on, I've seen like us really step into it. And our attitudes have changed a lot. And I, I want us to keep doing that this year. That's another plan. I can't hide my facial expressions. So I know that's something I'm working on. And because uh, I know that when I'm out here or at another church and I'm sitting out in the crowd and they're not smiling or 
anything, not even swaying or anything. I'm like, dang, do I do something or do I just stand here too? And so, like, we can't lead y'all into that worship, the atmosphere you want to be in if we don't have that same mindset. Roy, he's, he sings at our uh, youth camps we go to. I was watching a live video they did for worship leaders, like people who wanted to be worship leaders a couple weeks ago. And he said, you can't take someone somewhere unless you've been there. And I was like, dang. Because, like, if you really think about it, if I can't lead worship, if I can't raise my hands and I can't open up to God and just let him go through me, how are y'all going to do it? Y'all going to be like, if the people up here doing it can't do it, why should I do it? And so, like, I see attitudes as something that's really going to not take off because that sounds like it's going to get worse. But, you know, like, it's going to go away this year. And um, hold on, let me see. I don't like reading my notes. I feel awkward. But um, and this year, I think we're all going to, as a team, come together more. When you were saying that, I had all that stuff. Like, just like Anita said when she shared hers, all those words that you said were all in here. And I was like, man, because I sat there that, it was the, I'm going to be honest, it was the night before that I sat there and started writing it. Because, like, I just, through that whole week or two that he told me, I was like, I don't know what to say. I was like, I'm just acting as the worship leader for the month. How am I supposed to know the goals and know what we're supposed to do this year? So I was freaking out. Then I just, like, I sat there and I prayed. And I was like, all right, God. I said, there's a reason I'm supposed to speak. Give me what to say. And I knew it was confirmed last Sunday when you had the words and he had the words all on the same that I wrote down that night so God is good I'll just tell you all that and uh we've done so good coming together like the past couple months every once in a while we'll have a Friday night or something that just us the worship team comes up here and we don't plan songs we just do whatever we just sing and we worship like for us and I see us taking it a step farther this year with just us getting personal with God so we can help y'all and lead y'all into the right place. And um, and it's not only our year for the worship team. I see it as our year for the church. Like, you can ask Zoe, like, we both got that word at camp that, like, we came up to each other and said it. And it was like, God was, like, right there. And he was like, you've doubted it. Then you started praying, and now it's happening. And... I, our, we have the best worship team. I'm just not bragging on myself or anything, but, like, the, the hearts of these guys, y'all, and the stories they can tell y'all about what they used to do compared to now, you're like, dang, that can really happen. God can really get in your life like that. I'm not even talking about the goals, man. But uh, let me see. I have bad time management, so um, that's another thing I want to talk about. I see this year as us getting to practice on time, speaking to me and my dad more than anybody because I'm always late. <laughs> but um, worship is one way. <laughs> worship is one way to get personal with God. And uh, to be a part of leading y'all into that personal time with God is so cool. And um I've seen us over 2017 get so much better at what we do. And to see that in just that year, you know that that next year is going to be even greater than that. Like, we already know that. God's got this and that, like, he's going to take us not just one step farther. He's going to take us, like, ten steps farther in this department and every other department because the leaders we have, 
yesterday at that leaders conference thing, you just know their heart's right. And so, like, I guess that's all I got to say, except for, like, Guy, thanks for, like, trusting me with this worship team and uh, just everything you do here. So, I don't know. That's kind of, I have more, but I'm okay. Thank you. We had have one person here that was going to testify last week with the, the youth camp and uh, wasn't here because she was ill, and I was going to see, Alexis, would you like to share? She's going to bring her mom. Amber, Amber Elrod and, and her daughter, Alexis. All right, so Alexis wants me to kind of share some history first, okay? So we've been, we're new, sort of new to Mississippi. We've been here for two and a half years. We're transplanted Texans. Um, Alexis, we've, she's been raised in church, but she's had a, a series of un, in, let's see, unfortunate events. Um, she might only be about 14 and a half years old, but she has been through stuff that most adults can't fathom. Um, she was... Mistaken identity, stalked by a drug dealer and almost kidnapped. Um, she's been sexually abused. She's been bullied. She's just been through so much. In the last two years, she's been in and out of treatment facilities for suicide and self-harm. She's a cutter, and so she's got scars all over her arms from cutting. And she um, was actually going to go away for a nine-month program to a facility in Nashville called Mercy Multiplied, and she was supposed to leave this month. And then you guys invested in us. You guys invested in her and made it possible for her to go to camp. She um, has been coming to the youth sporadically. Um, I just started working at Target, and so sometimes Wednesday nights has been kind of hard, but we're working out. She's made some arrangements, so hopefully now that when I'm working, she can get here. But um, she went to camp asking some questions, and now I'm going to let her take off. Hey, everyone. Um, so I've always gone to church, and I've always grown up in a church and all this stuff, going to church because my mom was a pastor, and she always was there for me and stuff. But lately I've been questioning, is God real? Because of everything that's going on and getting bullied and going through all this stuff, getting sexually abused, and so much more, I started blaming God for everything. I was like, if you're real, why are you letting this happen to me? If you're real, why, why is this going on? Why am I suicidal? Why do I have no one here for me? Why am I all alone? So I started feeling like he wasn't real. So I went to camp, and I had tons of questions going through my head. But I mainly went to see if God's real. And there was this night that Dean Sykes came. And I was like, I don't know, that, that day I woke up, and I was getting ready and everything. And I was like, God, if you're real, just prove it. Prove it to me while I'm here. Prove it to me that this is real, that you're really here. And so, I mean, the day went by, nothing was changing. And then Dean Sykes came, and he hit suicide and rejection and all this stuff really hard. And it just, it... I don't know, it touched me. And then he asked for, every, for if he called those things out, suicide and rejection, to come up. And I went up, and he placed his hand on me. 
And I thought that stuff was always fake, where like you fall back, because like I saw it in movies, so I was like, it's fake. You don't just fall back. That is not real. Like, who? How do you just fall back like that? And when he touched me, I just fell back and I started crying, and then it hit me. God, you answered my prayers. You're real. You're actually here. And right then and there, I just, I forgived everyone that had hurt me and sexually abused me. And I forgive myself for cutting and for hurting me and for just all the stuff that I did. Oh, yeah, and anger, anger especially, because I had so much anger in me from all that stuff. And I had so much hatred, and I started treating my family bad. And I just went through all this stuff, and I blamed God for it. And I don't know, it just, it really spoke to me. And I realized that he was real, and I need to stop blaming him. And I just grew closer to God while I was at camp a whole lot. So on Monday, um, the counselor from Mercy called us because they actually had some openings come up sooner for the youth. And they called us, and Alexis said, she is not going to Mercy. She wants to stay at Passion Church. She wants to make relationship with the youth. She, um, she needs a friend. She needs someone that she can text and talk to and help her walk out this journey of healing. But she is so excited about going to youth camp this summer that that is why she's decided that she can find her healing here and she's not going to Mercy. And I also want to say on behalf of Charles and I, my husband right here, that thank you. You guys have invested in our family. You probably don't know this, but um, some of you do. We've been in a hotel for the last 10 days because our pipes busted when we had this lovely freeze. And eating out has been so expensive, and you guys have blessed us and helped us. Thank you. Y'all don't, I mean, I could sit here and talk for, like she said, I used to be a pastor. I could sit here and talk for hours, and I won't do that. But in the last three or four months, y'all, by your giving to the church, has invested in our family. And I feel, and I know Alexis feels like we are home we have found a church home that we want to plug in and become a part because I need you and you need me and I know that I can't grow to be who God has created me to be without you guys and I just feel like that's where I'm at and I want to thank y'all. very special ladies next I would like to call up uh, Miss Mary McCall she's going to speak a little bit she's currently uh, over the women's ministries but I've asked her to speak on behalf of the men's ministries as well thank you well, I don't know why you called me up after that one <laughs> I'm so sensitive. I love y'all. I love all of y'all. Goodness. Well, I wanted to call in sick today <laughs> because I wasn't feeling well. I never get sick, but I just wasn't feeling well. And, uh, but I had the connect desk and I always have to get up at the beginning and start the service. And I had to do this and, um, then yesterday at the leadership conference, I had 
talked about us stretching ourselves. <laughs> so how am I going to say I can't come today? You know. And all of that was going on, but then also I heard this little voice, and it said, you can make it. You can make it. And then I come here, and don't you see, people go through things, and it's so much bigger than your stuff. But anyway, um, that's why we're here. And the women's and the men's groups, thank you, <laughs> are designed with all of you in mind. And it is because we're a warm, fun-loving family, eager to reach out with God's love. And all of these people, if you are a men's leader or a women's leader, could you just stand up? We have five women's leaders, and I think they have four men's leaders. <clears throat> okay. And all of these people are doing this not because they want to do it. It's because they were asked to do it. And we prayed about each and every person that we put into leadership. You know, we didn't take it lightly. And so we have these groups. And, um, you know, we do have fun. But <clears throat> the main reason we're here is to develop the relationships. And like you've perfectly talked about and, and, um, and shared with us, Many of you have already, you know, felt the blessing of being a part of those groups, you know. And the other day when we heard there was a need, all we had to do was plug in and say, contact our, our, I contacted our ladies' leaders, and then, you know, they contacted other people. And it's the same with the men. And the men have done so many things. They've helped people, you know, you know widows or different people who had needs and gone and done physical labor and things like that. But one thing is that... <clears throat> Um, you know, if you don't become a part of it, if you don't say, hey, I want to do that, I want to, you know, be part of the men's and the women's groups, you're never going to experience that. You know, you're not going to feel a part of the family. And then you're going to come and then you're going to say, well, you know, you know, like we were talking about yesterday, you know, maybe the first time the sermon isn't perfect or something. You know, maybe you're going to, you know, go elsewhere. And there's other different types of churches that are maybe more, you know, glamour and lights and attractions and things like that, you know. But <clears throat> when you're a part of a family, you're going to stick and you're going to stay. And so we need you just to, to be a part of it, you know, just as much as you need it. You may not even know you need it. But um, but the, um, the groups are based, and Pastor Guy started these, based on, you know, in the Bible where it talks about... Um, leaders of tens and captains of fifties. So what we have, we have these small little groups that are like no more than 10. And, you know, you'll have a leader over it. And during the off months, I mean, the every other month we meet and everybody meets, you know, the, all the women meet and then all the men meet. And then on the other months, we have just you meet with your small group. And the reason we do that is because just like in here, if it's like so many people every time, you don't really get intimate. You don't really, you know, break off and share those things that, you know, you might would share if you were in a, you know, one-on-one -on -one small setting with somebody. And you really get to know people. Um, a silly little example, where's Donna? 
is that her daughter had a pampered chef party. Well, she invited me. You know what? I didn't necessarily really want to go. I mean, I love pampered chef, but you know why I went? Because I love her. I don't even know her daughter. But I love her, and I wanted her to know that I did. And you know what happened? <laughs> she said, I knew you were like that. I knew you were different. I knew you were fun. I knew Zoe got that from you. You know what? She got to know my personality a little more. Well, she wouldn't have gotten to know me, and that was not a well, ladies or women's group, but it was based off the fact that I was wanting to get to know her. So that's the whole reason we're doing this. And so um, how we're going to move forward is um, is that, um, and, and uh, the other thing, sorry, is that um, we're trying to disciple people, is that we're trying to get people to grow in their faith. And so... That's another thing. If you get to be a part of something, then you'll like you'll stay, and it'll encourage you. You know, you'll iron will sharpen iron, and you'll feel encouraged. And maybe you're going through something, you know. And and now that people have shared things, you know, you'll go, oh, they can relate to me, you know. And so you'll grow, and then you'll, you know, as you um, grow and you feel comfortable, you'll start maybe you know supplementing that with the word, you know, studying on your own, and then you'll you'll get stronger, and you'll get stronger, and then you, you can tell other people, and so this is how things grow, you know, it, it duplicates, love just spreads, and so, so as we grow, and, and we want to, you know, not rely on just numbers, but we want as many people as can possibly, you know, get to know the Lord to know the Lord, and so, you know, as we grow, our church gets bigger, <clears throat> our pastor cannot do every single thing. So these groups are designed also just to help meet needs in the church and to help people feel like, you know, that they're they're touched, that they, you know, their needs are important, that they're, you know, loved. And he just can't be everything to every person. We won't grow like that. So um, anyway, uh, I think that was the main thing that um, it's that we just love y'all, and we are investing, and all these leaders are stretching, you know. We're asking a lot of them, he's pushing me, <laughs> I'm pushing them to come up, to be elevated, to come up, you know. They're having to stretch in their faith, you know. They're having to stretch. I'm making them um, talk. You know, it's not really comfortable for me to be up here talking. <laughs> You know, they don't like it either. But you know what? They grow through it. And so that's why we're here. We're here just to invest in everybody. And then I've, I've asked Brother Tom Gullick to come up and talk about our outreaches for this year, how we're going to move forward. morning everybody we're stretching we're not mediocre now I'm thinking about what I'm gonna say <laughs> I thought I knew back there well I'm over the outreach uh, the streets and the jail 
And um, this year we're, we're stretching. I want to say something about that song this morning about how great is our God and about what your seed is investing into in this church. You want to know where your offerings are going? You see, that's priceless. She could have went away for nine months. Don't know what would happen, but one touch. That's all it takes is one touch. I remember when Chad used to come to the jail and he would sing how great is our God. Before I go to the jail, I always do. I bind all the devils before I get there. But if there was one that was hanging around somewhere, you know, snuck in and was outside the door, Chad would come in and sing, how great is our God. And then walls would shake. And then people would know that God was in there. Maybe one day he'll come back and sing for us again. But Miss Lisa asked me this morning, was I ready for Easter? And I said, yes, ma'am, because I celebrate his resurrection every day. That's the reason I'm risen. I was once dead in trespasses and sins, but now I'm alive. So Easter's every day for me. She was referring to my clothes. <laughs> That's all right. I said, yes, ma'am. But everybody in here um, has shared their heart and their department, and they've done well. We're moving forward, and we're stretching in 2018 like we never have before. I heard these statistics, and I shared it yesterday in the leadership meeting, that 94.7% of all Christians are professing Christians. They never share their faith with anybody. They never win anybody to the Lord. Well, those statistics will not be the same in this church because we're going to start having... Uh, probably every other month, a um, uh, a session on how to be effective, how to witness, how to share your faith, and how to win somebody to the Lord. And I challenge everybody in this building, to the sound of my voice this morning, to win at least one person to the Lord this year. But we're going to have um, classes where you can come to and you can learn how to share your faith, because starting March, the third Saturday of a month, we're going to the streets. We're going to wherever the Lord leads us to be a witness. Chandler said something last week. He says, if you don't tell somebody about Jesus, they're going to go to hell. Well, it's exactly true. I was 25 years old when I got saved. 
I worked for the Teamster Union. I worked around people who went to, uh, to church all my life. They seen the shape I was in. Nobody, not one person ever witnessed to me. Not one person ever shared their faith with me. And that's why I witness and share my faith everywhere I go. Because I know that the people that God brings me across their path, and if he ministers to me, if he says something to me to minister to those people, and I don't, well, I'll be accountable. I have missed it, but I'm getting better to where I don't miss it. And I'll continue to do so. So if you've got it on your heart in here and God speaks to you about going to the jail, you come and see me. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll get you an application, fill it out, and get you, get you worked in. Like Pastor Guy said yesterday, we got some people come to jail, they don't say anything. That's fine. That's fine. They're still doing their part. So you come because there's all kinds of parts. There's parts that speak and parts that don't. But they have a purpose uh, for being there. So I'm just going to say this. We're moving forward. We're pressing in. We're stretching. We ain't slowing down. We're speeding up. Time's getting short. We're going to go after them this year. We're going to get out there, and these teenagers are coming with us this year. We're going to the streets. We're going to get the job done because, hey, we're responsible for this area. He's put us here, and we're here for a reason. And we're here to fulfill that purpose which he put us here for, and we're going to do it. So I would say that's probably it. Thank you. Many of you don't know, but we... Uh, in 2016, we had over 550 salvations that we were responsible for leading people to Christ through our various outreaches, whether it be the jail ministry once a week, uh, youth villages once a month, uh, the nursing homes, street ministry and such. So we, this year, uh, 2017, it, it dropped a little bit to 400 and something. So, But we're going to pick it back up this year. And so I don't know uh, what the numbers are for some of the bigger churches, maybe 5,000-seat auditoriums and stuff, but I don't think 500 would be scoffed at by anybody. We're a little church, but we are healthy and we are impactful, and we are making a difference. And, and right now it's not everybody in the church's involvement. It's just a few. Imagine if we all come together and all do our part. All learn and grow. Nobody's asking you to step out and be Mr. Superman or Superwoman all at, at once. But investment of your time and your resources a little bit at a time. Um, I wasn't planning on doing this one, but I want to just see if she would. I want to just, I didn't even think about it, but our Wednesday night services, our next level Wednesday night services are just incredible. We call them the next level because it's about people who want more than just, you know, Sunday morning. They want to go to the next level. It's more intense Bible study and so forth and get into the Word. And so uh, we taught on getting offended 
the spirit of offense and such this Wednesday, and it really impacted a lot of people. I got a lot of feedback, and, and you can hear these podcasts if you want to go back and listen to them. But I had one person text me, and uh, I was wondering if she'll just come up and share one minute, just one minute, about how that one message on Wednesday night impacted your life. For you, those of you who don't know me, I'm Mary Ellen Barnes. Um, I had texted Pastor. I've worked at this sharp for a real long time, and I work in a very offensive environment, a lot of negativity. But, and I had said, promised myself this year that I wasn't going to let it all that get to me. But after he preached on that, I applied it. And you would not believe the change over the last three days. So, I mean, the girl that was calling me names a week ago, her and I were talking about dogs. That's God. That's God. Amen. Thank you. So that just goes to show just one glimpse of God will change your world. One word from him. One touch. See, God can turn everything all at once. He's looking for willing obedience. We'll close. Um, Paul's last letter that he wrote, the Apostle Paul, was to his spiritual son, Timothy. And he was in the prison at the time. Now, he, you know, he had had a rough Christianity. He had been shipwrecked and beaten with stones and or beaten with rods and stoned and left for dead. And he'd been perilous adventures one after another and had all the cares of the churches. And he get, He's one man that gave it his all. And so you would think in his last letter in 2 Timothy, that, where we find it in the Bible, you would think that he would be, woe is me, I'm glad this is over. <laughs> you know. But no, what we get is a cheerful letter, an enthusiastic, encouraging letter letter it's his last letter and so it seems that his only regret is that he hadn't come to Jesus sooner in his life he regrets the past where he was a Pharisee where he was judgmental and he was playing religion in 2nd Timothy in this letter in chapter 1 verse 12 he says you know, I've been serving the Lord, and this is my call, and this is what I do. And he said, that is why I'm suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust. And I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted into him until the day of his return. And I thought, on the day of his return, that's when I'm going to get my full return. That's the day I'm saving for. I get some of my blessing here on this side, but I'm looking for the day when, when he returns, I get my full return. He's bringing his blessings with you. I'm saving up treasures in heaven. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. And I regret every second that I claimed him as my Savior, but that I did not give him my life as my Lord. 
that I did not put my full weight down on him and trust him. And I'm still learning and growing and learning to put my weight on him. But I can tell you he holds us in his hand and he will hold you up. And he will be more than enough for you. We got to get our eggs in the right basket. We don't need to diversify. We need to, get, we need to put all our eggs in his basket. That's what me and Angie did when we were about to break up. We came to this church. We didn't know it was this church. We had no idea about, I was lost as a goose. But I found the same kind of love that Alexis found here. I found the same kind of acceptance 20-something years ago. And all of a sudden, I'm wanting to forgive those who have harmed me. I'm willing to forgive Angie. She's willing to forgive me. We're willing to make a fresh start. We put all our eggs in God's basket, and we have learned to keep them there ever since. Are we perfect? No, but we're trying our best to keep our eggs in his basket. So devil, take me off your list. I am on God's roll. Hallelujah. And he can whoop all my enemies. What's your name? Lucifer, I'm putting you on my list. <laughs> That's what God says. Because I'm, I'm more than just the baddest in Texas. I'm the baddest in Mississippi too. I can whoop everybody. And if God be for you, who can be against you? He can be trusted. Put your weight down on him. Put your eggs in his basket. Put your name on his list. He's got this. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. I'm sorry we've run it over a little bit in these last two weeks, but I believe it was well worth it to hear these testimonies. If there's somebody in here that does not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is the starting place. You're dead in your sins and trespasses and on your way to hell. Wake up. He said, if you'll put your weight on me, you'll put your trust in me and what I did on the cross to forgive you of your sins, I will forgive you of your sins. I'll bring you into my family and I'll hold you in my hand and nobody will snatch you out of my hand. I will have you. And then from then on, it'll just be a matter of how much you have me, how much you trust me. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, rush down to this altar right now and let me pray for you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Hey!